Have you ever thought about what it takes to grow an impressive following on social media platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn? How about the effort and strategy behind turning that following into a source of income? Welcome to the Influencer Breakdown Podcast with your hosts, Dan Pinkard and Jake Potter Rivera. This is your place to hear from and learn about the people who have made it as influencers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Influencer Breakdown Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Jake Potter-Rivera. And I'm Dan Pinkard. And today we have special guest Austin Belsack joining us. He's the founder of CultivatedCulture.com, also grow- has a growing platform on LinkedIn. So we're really excited to have you, Austin. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, Austin, why don't you just go ahead and tell everybody where you're from and um, some of the little things you do here. Sure. So uh, like we were just talking about uh, in the pre-show, I lived in New York for a while, um, just made the jump over to Jersey City right across the water. Uh, during the day, I work at Microsoft for uh, in their advertising department. So I work on the partnership side of things, do that nine to five. Uh, I've been there for almost five years now. Uh, and then outside of that, I run that site, cultivatedculture.com that you mentioned, which is essentially geared towards teaching people how to job search effectively online. So that started about six months after I did at Microsoft. It's about four and a half years old. And uh, it started with one blog post. And now we've grown it to over, I think the community just crossed the 200,000 mark uh, pretty wow. recently. Yeah. So we have a, a whole lot of job seekers in there who are learning how to avoid the, the black hole of applying online and kind of figuring out different ways, more innovative ways to get in the door at companies that they're excited about. Yeah. I will say personally, just doing some research on you before the show. Um, I had not heard of cultivatedculture.com, but I am somebody who is frequently applying to jobs. And I started reading through some of the stuff that you had on your site and whatnot. And I was, I, I kind of just was blown away and very impressed by um, just the organization that you've um, brought together to be able to just understand from somebody who looks for a job, especially the, you mentioned the black hole of applying online. Yeah. I mean, that is like, it's terrorizing <laughs> from the inside where you're just like, you know, I've gone into a place to apply in person and they say, oh, yeah, well, you have to apply online. And I'm like, I'm here in person. Isn't that much better? <laughs> so that it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's it seems so applicable and so practical. And I'm thankful that I was even just as a, you know, as a fan here, I'm thankful that I was able to see your resources. I appreciate yeah, over a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Over one hundred and eighty thousand followers on LinkedIn. That is a very impressive number. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's been it's been it's been a fun ride mm. for sure. It's been about a year and a half, um, and it has been a little crazy recently with some of the growth. But yeah. um, it's uh, no different than you know, I started I started where pretty much everybody else is, um, or was. So you know, if I can do it, you know, pretty much anybody can listening. Anybody that's listening can do it too. So I, I'm sure we'll dive into some of that. Mm. Awesome. So you said it's been four, four and a half years. Yeah, for cultivated culture. Okay. Yeah. So. How did you get started doing cultivated culture? What was the kind of initiation of that? Sure. So I've always wanted to to have my own thing. Um, I think you know, similar to you guys, you're you're starting your own thing here with the podcast, and that's awesome. Um, that's something that I always wanted, but I I never had the right idea, right? I think we all think about becoming an entrepreneur, and we want to be uh, the next, you know, creator of Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it is, like these crazy, awesome companies, unicorns. And we're never really taught anything different, right? I was just talking to a friend of mine about how 
there's so many ways to make money out there, um, especially online, but we're not taught any of that in school. And I know people who are making six figures from you know teach, teaching people how to play piano or how to be a, a better babysitter, even how to like scale your babysitting mm. business or, <laughs> or whatever it is all the way up to those Facebooks, those Instagrams, whatever. So there's so many ways in between. But for me, when I started out, I was only looking for the pie in the sky stuff that I think a lot of us do. And so I ended up failing at a lot of things. I tried to start a couple of different apps. I tried to start an apparel company. I tried to start all these different things that all you know fell flat on their face. And so at the same time that I was trying out all those ideas, I was also job searching. I was trying to make this transition from the healthcare space into technology. And uh, there were a lot of hiccups along that path. And I really kind of threw myself full force into tearing apart that process and figuring out you know why it wasn't working and, and how I could make it work. So I spent about two years doing that from going from my first job. I had a couple of uh, jobs at startups in New York, and then I ended up landing interviews and offers at Google and Microsoft and Twitter. I accepted the role at Microsoft. And then a lot of people started coming to me and asking me, you know, hey, how'd you do this? Like, how, how did you how, how did you get in the door with this type of company coming from a totally non-traditional background? I also wasn't the best student. Um, and so, you know, people were confused as that, like how I made the jump. So I just said, okay, let me write this up. Mm -hmm. You know, after the 20th person asked me the same question, I said, all right, I've been wanting to, you know, the online business world looks pretty cool. I've been reading all these blog posts. Let me try to write my own. So I started up the site. Um, I built a couple of websites before, so I kind of knew how to do that. I wrote out the full blog post, which is still kind of sticky to the top of the blog. It's called how to get a job anywhere with no connections. And it took off. I got a really, really good response. Um, and so that was kind of the first step. And then everything else was, was built off of that. But I wouldn't say that, you know, the company that it's become today is, is not necessarily what I had envisioned from the start. It's really grown and expanded in, in many different ways. Um, but it's, it's just kind of been one step at a time, starting with that one article, which was totally the result of my personal experience. Kind of looking at it all, you're talking about how you turned something that you had a little bit of you know, people were inquiring about, and and recently I read something um, that was saying that you know the best way to grow online is to be the answer to a question, and the question that people are asking you is how did you land this job? You answered that, you saw that take off, and now it's kind of just turned into something totally much bigger than you could have ever anticipated. A hundred percent, and that's what that's the the best advice I have for for people out there too. Like I I do these uh, ask me anything's on. Fridays on LinkedIn, maybe like once or twice a month. And inevitably, one of the questions I get is, you know, how do I start a profitable side hustle? Mm. And it goes back to, you know, what you guys are talking about. What do people come to you for advice on? What do people keep asking you? Because I know a lot of people, a lot of my buddies were credit card point junkies, right? And they, they're going through all the credit cards, trying to get all the miles <laughs> so they can get the free trips. And they've got it down to a science. And all their friends ask them about it. And I'm like, well, you could just start writing about this. I mean, there's a bunch of other sites out there, but but competition isn't bad. It's really more of a validation that, you know, if other people are making money off of this, so can you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a, a better way to look at it. But it could be anything. You know, I know people who have, like like we were talking about before, the silly example. You know, there, there are people out there who have a backyard garden and they make their own hot sauce and now they're selling courses on how to do that. There are people out there who are, you know, getting in shape at home who are, let's say, you know, if you're a mom who's recently had a kid and you're wondering how to get back in shape, you know, there's people making six figures doing that kind of thing. There's there's so many different topics out there. It doesn't necessarily have to be 
you know, selling an online course about marketing or about, you know, uh, you know, copywriting or whatever the super popular things that are in our face every day look like. Um, the more niche you get, honestly, at this point, the easier it is to carve out your own audience. And all you need is, you know, the thousand true fans thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but you get a thousand people that are willing to pay you a hundred bucks um, every year. And that's some pretty good money that you can pretty much live the, the rest of your life on. So that's, that's really the goal. And you can find a thousand people in pretty much any niche, I think. Yeah, that's great advice. I have heard the thousand true fans idea before, but it's a great reminder, especially when you put the numbers to it. It just, uh, it's, it's kind of unbelievable how easy that could be. Yeah, it's, it, it adds up. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can flip it, right? You only you could get a hundred people paying you a thousand bucks a year, yeah. and you're st- you're at the same spot. So, so when you started Cultivated Culture, you started it as a blog, and then it grew from there. So mm-hmm. how did how did you really get it going with with the blog initially? Yeah, so I had uh, I had a bit of a head start, but I I didn't really capitalize on it at first. So the, through that transition from healthcare into tech. I did a lot of studying around marketing, specifically SEO. So I don't know if you all are familiar, but search engine optimization is essentially, you know, getting your your site to rank at the top of organic Google search results. So you get clicks, they're free, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was my, that's my background. That's what I'm good at. But when I got started, I kind of got sucked into the funnel of, uh, or, or the, the, the whirlwind, if you will, of, you know, you have to be doing everything. So you're not only SEO, but you also have to be doing Instagram, like we talked mm-hmm. about, and LinkedIn, and YouTube, and Twitter, and Medium.com, and Quora, and all these other places. And so I tried to do everything at once, and I ended up doing just a, an awful job across the board. And I couldn't get traction anywhere because I, I didn't have enough time to adequately devote to one channel to really master it. So... About a year and a half into starting the business, I, I said, okay, I'm going to stop doing everything and I'm just going to focus on SEO. Uh, and I basically quadrupled down on that. And that was, you know, that's my background. That's my strength. Um, and the results were awesome. You know, the site traffic really, really grew off the back of that. Um, and so that's something else that I recommend to pretty much everybody out there, which is just pick one channel and master it. It usually takes like six to eight months to really master a channel. And that could be a podcast, mm-hmm. that could be YouTube, that could be SEO, that could be LinkedIn, it could be anything else. Uh, and, and it's not just social media, right? Like pick one social media and get really, really good at it. The deeper you go, I think you'll find there, there are some people who have really reverse engineered a lot of these platforms and these algorithms and figure out, figured out how they work. And if you go really, really deep on one channel and you get really good at it, your growth is going to basically turn into a flywheel effect. Because then once you get to that, that point of mastery, you can jump into another channel, but you already have the audience that you've created. And so then you can bring them with you. And if the channels are, are somewhat related, you know, if, if you're um, a YouTube person and then you're like, okay, let me just make these into Instagram videos, you know, that's a pretty easy jump. So once I started doing that, you know, I did SEO for about a year and I felt like, okay, I have my processes down. I'm in a good place. I'm not feeling like I'm overextending myself with this, with this process. Let me start something new. And and that ended up being LinkedIn. And that was about a year and a a half ago now that I got started. And and I haven't taken on a new channel since I've still been kind of focused on like quote mastering LinkedIn. And those are really the two channels that I plan. Um, I guess the third piece is we've been developing some free tools, um, but that kind of plays into the SEO side of things as well. So I've really just stuck to two channels and just, you know, tried my best to get really, really good at those two channels. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you share with us more this whole LinkedIn idea? So um, I've been a user for LinkedIn for several years now, but I think that um, as I was transitioning from a college career to 
a professional career thinking about you know this this um platform linkedin comes up all the time in conversation you see it in resumes you see it in applications they say hey link your linkedin they you hear it you know between friends and whatnot um dan here <laughs> was is a big advocate for linkedin and i think that you know one thing that's uh so surprising to me is to you know that when i from the outside linkedin was a kind of an intimidating platform of you know what is it is it is it you know business professionals is it job sharing is it um, you know, a social media, whatnot. It's kind of like a mixed bag of all those things in a way. Um, what did that look like? At what point did you realize that you wanted to start growing a LinkedIn platform? And how did you come to the conclusion that that was going to be the second step after um, optimizing your SEO for cultivated culture? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I've been on LinkedIn forever too. Mm -hmm. I think I created my profile maybe 11, 12 years ago or something um, back when, you know, same thing for me, you're in college, they tell you to make one, you make it, you don't do much with it. Um, although I'm seeing a ton of students now, like really, really taking advantage of it. And, and it's awesome. Um, that, that was not me. So I just had the profile pretty dormant for a long time. And then at, at a certain point, I kept hearing more and more about the platform and, and some like the growth that people were seeing on it. And you also take a look at some of the folks who are out there who tend to be on platforms that work early. Um, so like a Gary Vee is a good example. And everywhere else you see him talking, he's talking about how he's investing in LinkedIn. And there's a lot of other people who are kind of doing the same thing. So after, you know, enough of that in, in my ear, listening to these podcasts and these videos and whatever, I decided to kind of give it a shot. And, and I actually test drove it a little bit a couple times before, uh, but I, I really struggled with the content creation piece. And I think the, the reason I did was because I wasn't, again, I hadn't reached that kind of mastery point with the, the SEO and the content marketing side of things. I still had kind of too much floating around in my brain on that side to really commit to the new channel. So once that was in a good spot, it was a lot easier to create this space to just stay consistent with the content. Um, but then once I got on, I mean, I think LinkedIn's the best place to be right now because it's, I think, the only place where the algorithm is sort of driven towards visibility. So like, if I'm on Instagram and, and you guys both like my posts, that doesn't really do anything for me besides having like the number two next to my likes, right? It doesn't get me any more visibility, it doesn't send it to your followers, anything like that. Whereas on LinkedIn, if you like my post or you comment on my post, it pushes it to your network as well. Oh. And so that's just basically an, a built-in flywheel effect into the algorithm. And so once you kind of get a sense of what people are looking for and, and how to market yourself you know, correctly, you can really, really capitalize on that. And you can see some crazy growth. Um, you know, On top of just that alone, the competition elsewhere is so high. Like starting an Instagram page now is... The, the competition is insane because it's been around forever. People have invested in it. Same with Facebook, although I think Facebook has become sort of less popular now. Um, and but there's still a ton of there's still a ton of pages on Facebook. So there's less competition on LinkedIn than any of the other platforms, and it, it's geared towards growth. So it's pretty much like the most the best bang for your buck opportunity out there right now. Um, and I'm seeing people, you know, they're growing their followings tens of thousands of, of people in just a couple of months um, simply because they're showing up and they're kind of working to understand what content works well and they're consistent. They just show up every single day and they start posting stuff. Um, so I saw that happening with other people and I was like, let me get on board with this. Uh, and I just made a commitment to post five days a week for, for a month. And then, you know, I, I, I hit the month mark and I just kept going and, and it's, you know, I'm still mm -hmm. going. It's been, it's been a year and a half and it's been a fun ride. So it sounded like when you first started with LinkedIn, you had a lot going on in your head, thinking about SEO, some other things. 
Um, and so I'm curious how it went in the beginning, because I know for me personally, I uh, have been on LinkedIn for a number of years and I would post, forget about it and just just not engage on LinkedIn because, I mean, you, you post early on, you post and you get maybe five likes and it can be kind of discouraging. Uh, plus, it's really hard to come up with content really early on. And so it's hard to maintain that consistency, that discipline that you talked about. Um, so I'm just curious how the the initial start in LinkedIn went for you. Yeah, so I'd say I may not be the best example here because sort of like we talked about before, I had a, a pretty big following from just the SEO side of things in my site. And those people inevitably, because I do the job search stuff, they came and found me on LinkedIn because they knew like, if I'm doing the job search stuff, that's probably where I'm going to be. So I had a lot of people who had followed me just from doing the content side of things. And I think those people were already there. So the, the original, like when I started putting out my first posts, I think I was averaging in the ballpark of, um, you know, 30 to 50 likes per post um, with a decent amount of comments, you know, five or 10 or something. Uh, and that, that's where I started. And that's a, actually a pretty darn good place to start, all things considered. What, uh, what I recently talked about, I don't know if you guys know Justin Welsh at all, but if you don't, you should definitely check him out. Um, he is awesome on the platform as well. He's more focused on the, the sales, like SaaS sales side of things. Um, but we talked about this in a recent LinkedIn Live, and we basically both agreed that the best thing you can do, uh, to sum it up, essentially, when you start showing up for other people, they'll start showing up for you. So I think what happens is a lot of people get the courage to post and they put something out there. Um, but then they, they sort of leave it at that. So what we've both found, Justin and I, is that if you go out and you start showing up for other people in the, in the sense of, let me comment on your post, let me engage with you, let me be consistent and show up every day, those people are, are willing to reciprocate when you start putting stuff out there. The other thing is, it, it really comes down to consistency. So even if you post for 30 days and you only get five likes on every single one of your posts or, or less than five likes or whatever it is, um, that that consistency allows those people that you comment on, they see, you know, oh, you're putting out content every day, I can expect that. And then over time, those two sort of mesh together, and you start to build a little bit of, of that following. Um, the other thing that you can do when you're starting out is sort of like we talked about with the algorithm, you can manufacture a little bit of, of growth or traction for yourself. And so what I did when I was first starting out, you know, first couple of posts or so, I just had a list of like 10 of my friends and I would say, hey, I'm going to post something. If you wouldn't mind giving me a like and a comment. I'd really appreciate that. And so I would, I would post it, I would send them the link and then immediately I would get five or 10, you know, likes and comments just from my buddies. And that kind of kickstarted things with the algorithm a little bit. And I, I did that for a, a very short period of time, but I only needed to do it for a short period of time because then the visibility basically led to followers who would just show up for me organically and I didn't have to bug my buddies anymore. Um, but that's a, that's another good way to kind of get things going off the ground because there's a social proof aspect as well, right? Like I'm less likely to be the first comment on a post for somebody I don't know, but I'm happy to be the 10th or something because you know that's not nearly as much pressure. So once you get that little bit of social proof with folks showing up, leaving comments, leaving likes, other people are more likely to pile on as well. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that insight because, um, as I mentioned, I think that LinkedIn as a platform is kind of mysterious from the outside, and it's nice to see, I mean, um, where I, you know, build a platform in a way is obviously we're working on a podcast now, but also YouTube and thinking about the algorithm, and I see how there is transferable things such as have some friends go out there and 
like some of your things and give it uh, seeming orga organic growth. And then eventually that'll kind of kickstart the whole, you know, the site will recognize that and start shoving that in the right direction that you want it to grow. Um, what would mm -hmm. you say that currently LinkedIn, like in w uh, which way does LinkedIn take a role in your life right now? What does that look like for you and how much time you invest into that platform? Uh, that's a good question. It's, 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 it's more than it has been. And that's just because of the growth and mm -hmm. also because of the, the way that I've set things up. And so um, it's, it's interesting. Every part of it is kind of an experiment. You know, you, you do one thing right and then something new comes along and you have to figure that out. So when I got started, I mean, I just posted and then I would go in and I would reply to everybody who commented on the post. And that was, I was spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day on the platform, nothing crazy. Uh, but then once I started to see growth, I started spending way more time. Like I kind of forgot about everything else for mm -hmm. a little bit because it's exciting, right? You go from 50 likes to 100 and then you get that one post that breaks a thousand and you're like freaking out. And so you try to reply to everybody and, and do all the, the work. And so I got up to the point where I was spending like six, seven hours a day, just like combing through the platform, engaging with other people. And, and by no means you have to do that to be successful in the platform. I just was like overexcited about it. And so eventually over time, you know, the growth continued, but I had to you know, pull back. I couldn't be doing that every single day. And so now the way I sort of operate is I'll post in the morning and then I'll scroll through. I have a list of people that I like to go comment on and I know when they post. Um, and so I can just knock that out really quickly. I know, you know, X, Y, and Z people are posting at 10 a.m. Eastern. So I'm going to go find their post and leave a comment. And then I have two half hour blocks where I'll go in and I'll reply to all the comments and as many messages as I can get to. And th that'll be my time for the day. So I pretty much spend, you know, maybe an hour and 15 minutes a day on the platform, but it's become a lot more scheduled and regimented simply because I could spend 10 hours a day on the platform, but that's just not going to be productive, right? So once I, I got the content down, I, I kind of figured out what people wanted. And then I understood, you know, okay, here's who I can engage with, here's who I want to be engaging with. And then how do I sift through my messages and re respond to the right people? Um, th that once I figured that out, which took a lot of time and experimentation, that brought me to about an hour and 15 minutes. Now I get caught up in the messages still because I still want to reply to everybody. Um, so I'm still working on a, a system for that. But yeah, I, I know it varies with a lot of folks. And really where you get caught up is like, how, how many posts, like how far in your feed are you scrolling? How many posts are you leaving comments on? And there is a, re a correlation in your return there. You know, the more comments you leave, the more people come back to find you. But you know, at what point is, is it diminishing returns on your time too? So you kind of have to figure that out a little bit, but um, yeah, I would say about an hour and 15 minutes a day is probably where I'm at right now. Awesome. So obviously we talk in this podcast about social media influencers and a big topic surrounding that is monetization. How do you make money on social media? So obviously your strategy, your method for monetization is your company, Cultivated Culture, offering a service. Uh, I'm just curious, how, how big of a part would you say that LinkedIn plays in being able to make money through Cultivated Culture um, and, and monetize social media? Yeah, it's super impactful. I mean, it's, it's kind of skyrocketed everything um, since, I, since I started. And so I didn't start picking up doing coaching until I, I started on LinkedIn. Um, and now I don't, I don't have to even really do any selling. I get, you know, enough inbound people asking me for help on a daily basis. I actually have too many. I have to refer a bunch of them out mm -hmm. or 
find ways to offer them scalable stuff. Um, right now, you know, we're recording this on May 11th. I'm booked out with coaching through early June or uh, sorry, early July at this point. So it's basically like two months or yeah. so. Um, and so now I'm having to find, you know, what other ways can I go and help people get the advice they need and scale it out. So yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, game changing, but for me, I don't really, you know, I, my whole MO has been not, not selling people off the bat. I know a lot of folks do that and that's been true for everything. So if you go uh, to my site, you're not going to find my coaching menu. If you look through my site, you're not going to see any of my courses. If you sign up for, if you use one of my free tools, so we have a resume builder, we have like a bunch of other tools. If you use one of those and you log in, you'll, you'll see that courses exist, but you won't be able to access them right off the bat either. And so the whole point for me is like, I want to add value first before I ask you to purchase something. Or if you come to me and you say, I want help and I'm willing to pay for it, that's cool too. Um, but it's interesting because when I was starting out, you know, I would hear all these like quote influencers say, um, you know, oh, well, I'll add value first and like, you know, then people will buy from me. And I was like, whatever, nobody's buying from me and I'm adding a ton of value. And it, it wasn't for, I mean, it took me four years, basically, or three and a half years to get to the point where that was the case. Um, and now, now I have the ability to do that. And so it's, it is a little bit of a longer term game, I would say. I know there are other people out there who have monetized earlier on, and they do it up front, and they make a decent amount of money early on, but I think they also hinder their ability to grow their audience. And so for me, I, I still, like I've mentioned to you guys at the beginning, I still work full time. So I have a little bit of a cushion where I can invest in, you know, I can, I can make a, a tool free and not charge people for it. And that skyrockets the amount of people that join my email list mm. or sign up for an account or whatever it is. Um, and that's just, a, again, a flywheel. We, we talked a lot about flywheel effects. You know, anytime you can invest in something early, that's going to basically lead to a lot of ROI in terms of growth, awareness, expansion down the road. That's always a great move. Um, and I have the flexibility to do that. So for me, that stuff is all like adding the value upfront, adding, adding more value for free than what other people offer in their paid stuff is one of the best ways you can differentiate yourself. And that's exactly what I've done for the past couple of years. And I think that's why, you know, that I think the results kind of speak for themselves in, in how it works. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge game changer in terms of, you know, being able to run the business, making it profitable, you know, bringing in money. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we were doing uh, research, just checking out your website and everything before the show. And we were both like, wow, he just gives everything away for free. Yeah, this is like, <laughs> like, where, how does he uh, yeah. earn a living from it? Yeah. Um, but it is, it is a cool strategy and, and it's a smart growth strategy. Yeah. I wanted to maybe dig a little bit deeper into that. And as long as you're comfortable, if you wouldn't mind, if you're, if you're um, growing your uh, LinkedIn platform, mm -hmm. let's say that you gain a new um, follower on LinkedIn, what is the process that you would anticipate somebody going through from becoming a LinkedIn follower to becoming a potential paid customer of cultivated culture? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different journeys to, to that happening. Um, you know, the most common one for me is that somebody just sends me a message and they say, I saw your, because my whole profile is optimized for coaching, mm -hmm. right? So basically everything is, is created to funnel people into becoming a coaching lead. So a lot of people will hit me up and say like, I'm looking for coaching. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll just send them the menu and say, you know, is this, and this is, you know, this is not going to work for 
anybody else who does not have, you know, a presence established, yeah. um, this can work down the road. This will not work when you got, when you get started. And it didn't work for me until recently when, you know, my, my growth on the platform picked up, but I'll just send them a, a, my coaching menu and say, you know, if you're interested, we'll fill out this form and we'll hop on a call. Uh, other people will see a lot of my content and they'll go try it out and they'll take some action and then they'll want more of that. And that could be wh whatever triggers that message varies. Some people just see one post and reach out. Some people follow along for months before they reach out. Some people go take advice or take action on the advice and see that it works and then maybe run into a roadblock because it's easy for me to say, you know, hey, you should go cold email people and, and land a referral. And they say, great. And they cold email people and then they get a reply and they're like, oh, shit, what do I, sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to curse on the podcast, good. but uh, I, they, don't, they say, what do I do with this relationship? How do I talk to this person? And then they, they want that kind of help. And so there's so many different ways that that happens. But then also with the tools, you know, I'll share that stuff and people will go use the tools for, for free, um, but they keep coming back. It makes it sticky, right? Because if your resume is saved in my builder, you're going to keep coming back and using the builder. Or if you know that you can, you know, get better advice on your resume bullets through one of our other tools, or you can find somebody's email address with like MailScoop, you're going to keep coming back. And so when you create an account to use one of those free tools, you get kicked into the marketing email funnel. Um, and then eventually, you know, when we release the course or open the doors to our course, you'll get that email as well. So there's a whole bunch of different ways for it to happen. Um, I would say that my funnels aren't nearly as robust or intricate as, as some people's are simply because I have enough people just asking me directly for, mm -hmm. you know, what I'm offering in the future. I do want to move away from doing as much coaching and more towards some of the, the more scalable, uh, offerings. And so I think that's where some more of the complexity comes in. But like I, like I said, you know, that's the next experiment that we're going through right now. So um yeah it's it's there's a lot of different ways to do it and those those are just a couple right there's so many different ways out there for people to monetize their following people have gotten really really creative with it so i'm sure you guys will get a lot of great answers from other folks mm -hmm. too for somebody who's interested and is listening along and has come to the conclusion that hey linkedin does sound like a great place to build my platform depending you know for various different reasons um, what is the process that you go through to create that content like what's the inspiration process that you would go through to produce a new LinkedIn post and keep it um, new and trending, but also very applicable to what you're growing? Sure. So right, right now, it's, uh, it's very different than what it looked like probably when I started. But even so, I, again, I had a bit of a head start. So I think the hardest part is, is coming up with the ideas and then turning them into posts. And so for me, you know, I doubled down on on the SEO side of things, right? So I was writing these massive articles and I would try to crank out one a week or something like that. And I had basically been writing about the job search for three to three and a half years already on my site. And so I had articles and articles and articles that I could go pull from. So it was a little easier for me. Plus, I'd been thinking about this stuff for three years. I think the big thing with people who are starting is they haven't had that level of practice yet they haven't you know it's one thing to have done something for x number of years like i've worked in marketing for 10 years it's very different to have thought about how do i take that 10 years and distill it into content that's a very very different mindset and skill set and so i just had a lot of practice when i got started on linkedin so it was a little bit easier for me um i'd also been practicing uh you know i do a lot of copywriting for my posts and my sales pages and my emails and all that and I've been doing a lot of practice with that too. And so the posts were a little bit more natural for me. 
Um, basically what I do now is when I get an, an idea, I just have a note on my mm -hmm. phone. Like I use the native notes app. It's nothing fancy. If I have an idea, I'll just write it down. And sometimes it's one sentence and I'll expand on it later. Um, sometimes I'll just write the whole post. It usually takes me, you know, about five minutes to write a full post at this point, but that's only because again, I've been doing this pretty much every day for a year and a half now. So when you're getting started, um, it's going to be much, much, much slower. And so what you have to start thinking about is what ideas can I turn into posts? Like what do people care about? And then you want to have a little bit of a backlog. So you want to kind of get that practice in ahead of time. So one thing I recommend doing is just, just scroll through your feed and see like what other posts are getting traction. Like what are people talking about that's interesting? And not just what they're talking about, but look at how they write their posts. You know, what, what's the formatting? Are they using paragraphs? Are they going line by line? What kind of, you know, when you read a post and you say, I like that post, like take a step back and say, why did I like it? Like, why did I read the whole thing? Why did I feel compelled to, you know, say this post is better than the last 10 that I read? And if you start getting in that mindset of like looking, looking at posts and saying, why do I like this and what can I learn from it? You start to pick up on, on a lot more. Um, and then you just have to get comfortable with like your voice. You know, a lot of people have their, 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 their voice kind of shines through in their content. And so I think you can sort of tell the way that somebody articulates their ideas and the way they're going to be through the style that they, they post in. And some people are very formal with their posts. Some people are very informal with their posts. Some people use, you know, certain language versus other people use different types of language. It's all unique. So you kind of have to find what makes sense for you and just start, you know, putting it out there. I would have a backlog of maybe like, if you're going to do five days a week, one, I would start with what's comfortable for you. So if that's once a week, then that's cool. You know, don't go for seven days a week right off the bat and then not be able to stick to it. But start with something that's attainable and then create a backlog, create like a 10x backlog. So if you're doing once a week, create 10 posts. If you're going to do, um, you know, five days a week, try to create 50 posts. And that takes a lot of work, but that's the practice that you need to get good at doing this quickly. So at the beginning, it's going to take you probably an hour or two hours to write a post. It's going to be, you know, a lot of effort. And then as you start to do it, you're going to get better. You're going to get more efficient. You're going to be more effective and you're going to come up with your own process that works for you. Um, like I mentioned with Justin before, he and I both talked about our different processes and we're, we're very different. Like Justin is actively going out there and he's reading up their articles. He's, um, you know, thinking about like different ways that he can come up with posts. Um, and then he sits down one day a week and he just writes everything out. I personally usually just kind of write stuff when it comes to me or I'll write it right before I post. And I usually draw on, you know, a little bit of a different resource than, than he does in terms of the ideation. So it's, it's really about what works for you. Like at the end of the day, his posts and my posts are, are, well, his posts are great. My posts are what they are, but we both, you know, get similar results and we have a very different process. So there is no right or wrong way to do it. What really matters is, you know, what resonates with people. Um, what ideas do you feel like you, you want to share? Because it's important to share stuff that you care about too. Um, and then figuring out that formula for, you know, how are other people being successful? How can I take that and apply it to my voice? Um, that's the best way to go. And the only way you're going to do it is just by putting in the work and, and, you know, getting, getting in those reps. It's all about practice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great advice yeah, and really good advice. <laughs> yeah. Definitely um, applicable for more than just LinkedIn as well. Yeah, for sure. I can tell, yeah. I can tell that you're, you know, you're very, um, just everything that you're under that you're talking about you have a lot of knowledge in and then you're sharing that and in a way that it's not just applicable to linkedin even though obviously we see that your growth has been on linkedin and it's very impressive 
Um, you've also been successful at growing at, you know, successful interviews with different job companies and then also, you know, cultivated culture as a website itself and SEO. And then um, I even, when I was looking up, you look doing research for you for this uh, podcast, I found your Medium um, posts. And I was actually very interested in that because I've recently learned about Medium and what that is. And I thought that was very cool, especially how optimized it was. It was like the second thing that came up on Google. Yeah. And, and oh, nice. Right on. me sitting here, um, like I, I said, I've been active on and off on LinkedIn for years. Uh, but recently I've been, I decided I'm, I'm going to commit to posting consistently. And so I'm sitting here listening, like, man, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to work on creating a backlog of content and yeah. I'm taking notes, mental notes for myself. Yeah. So. yeah. It's very great. Awesome. Um, and I'm just curious as somebody who doesn't necessarily perfectly understand the world of, of LinkedIn, what is, what kind of role in terms of, you know, percentage, how much of that, how much of your income comes from that platform? How much, um, how, how effective are you able to monetize that? Yeah. So I'd say about 70 to 80% comes from, from the LinkedIn audience. Wow. Um, and it's interesting because it's only, I've only done the coaching stuff. So I don't sell anything mm -hmm. on LinkedIn whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I'll say you can message me if you want career coaching, but I, I don't actively pitch anything. So people have to come to me. And it's an interesting thing because I haven't really tapped into the vast majority of the audience. You know, a small fraction of the people who follow me or see my post or whatever actually reach out to me. Uh, and if you do the numbers, I think it's like a fraction of 1% on a daily basis. Um, but that's, you know, plenty given where the, the numbers are at. But, you know, how do you start thinking about, okay, the, the other 99.5% that are out there, what do you do with those people? And so that's sort of what I'm getting geared towards now. And I'm going to be testing a few things out around that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's really, really taken off. And the great part about the demand is you can kind of play with what works and what doesn't, you know, I started out charging 50 bucks an hour for coaching and now it's, it's much, much higher um, than it was. And it's simply because I had, and again, if, if people have the ability to start something while working full time, I, I strongly, strongly recommend it because you have so much more freedom and flexibility mm -hmm. to take risks and try things out than, than you would otherwise. Um, and I, I'm not sure cultivated culture would be where it is today if I wasn't, if I didn't start it while working full time, um, simply because I basically, from the very beginning, I made bets that would take a couple of years to pay off. And so now we're on year four and, and many of the original bets are starting to pay off and it looks great. And here I am talking to you about, you know, 180,000 followers or 200,000 people in the community. Um, but if we talked, you know, a year and a half ago, I would have had 3000 followers on LinkedIn and, you know, maybe like 10,000 email subscribers. Mm -hmm. And so this stuff is all starting to, to pay off now, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's the, in terms of, in terms of revenue, I mean, LinkedIn has been fantastic and it's, that's only a fraction of, you know, what's out there. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a great platform to, to be on if you're looking to, to monetize these days. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's really interesting because most people, uh, when they think about social media platforms, LinkedIn is probably didn't come to mind with me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're creating the podcast and talking about what platforms we would focus on, and LinkedIn just didn't yeah. come to mind. And I'm not; it's not you know a, a you know bad look at LinkedIn. It's just that I hadn't understood completely, you know, how vast the network is there and how you know growing it is. And yeah, and a lot of people do think, and this is perfect for you. A lot of people think of LinkedIn as just a platform to go when you start looking for a job, and yeah. um. 
So I know that's what I've done in the past is like, oh, I have a LinkedIn account. I should go now that I'm looking for a job, I should go get active. But uh, there are so many opportunities. And now that I'm active on LinkedIn, I'm seeing that it has extreme potential. Um, and like you said, it's it's probably the most potential out of all the platforms right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's applicable to a lot of stuff that people want to sell, right? You just have to kind of put it in the, in the you know, mindset of LinkedIn. I mean, so there, there are people out there, if you want to sell marketing stuff, you know, there's all these marketers who are on LinkedIn, right? And they want to get better at their jobs. And so you don't have to be on Instagram competing with everybody else. You can be on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're a fitness person talking about how fitness can play into, you know, being a better professional or being a better business owner or whatever it is, you know, that's all very applicable. And so it, it's the people who have said, okay, you know, the, the folks who are on this platform, they're also on Instagram. You know, I'm talking like I see them following other people on Instagram and that's working. So like, why would that, they're the same person. Mm -hmm. It's just a different platform. So why, why would they not engage on LinkedIn? Like people seem to have this block that like, as soon as you sign on to LinkedIn, like everybody's persona changes and all of a sudden we're like different people. And that's just not necessarily the case. Like if I'm looking for content on a specific topic, I don't care where I get it from if it's good content. And so I think that's the piece that people are missing. Sure, you have to frame it up a little bit differently than like, I'm not sure you're going to be doing like, um, if you're a fitness person, you're not going to be doing like shirtless, you know, exercise workouts on LinkedIn Live, maybe, <laughs> but maybe you're taking a little bit of a different approach and saying, you know, hey, we're all cooped up right now in our home stay at home order, you know, here's a quick 15 minute body weight workout you can do to stay energized and motivated throughout the day. You know, awesome. I want that. That's what I'm looking for. Maybe I don't necessarily want to see that same person shirtless for an hour on Instagram live, but now I got that same content because they positioned it correctly. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's an awesome platform. I think, like you guys said, that, that has a little bit of a stigma, but I also think that that's a huge advantage for the people who are willing to look past it because I think they're up to like 650 million uh, monthly active users now on LinkedIn. It's some crazy yeah. amount. And there's so many people out there. I mean, you guys talk about podcasts. I don't know if you know, like Jordan Paris or Mark Metry. Um, they, both those guys have um, sizable podcasts. I think they, they both say they're in the top 100. I'm not sure how the metrics for the top. I know they're kind of, kind of funky yeah. with podcasts, um, but the, I, both of those guys do have very successful podcasts and they do a lot of their marketing through LinkedIn simply because they, they interview people who have messages that folks on LinkedIn care about and they distill it down into these posts and then they promote their podcasts. And that's an awesome way to do it because everybody else is out there is promoting it on all the other platforms. So they basically stepped away from all the competition and they're just capitalizing on this massive audience of people um, that, that's hungry for that kind of content. So, you know, the folks who are willing to kind of invest in, and learn more and dive into the platform like like you guys are. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the benefits are, are definitely there to be. Yeah, done. we were talking about this earlier, specifically looking at um, SEO on YouTube. And we're talking about the idea of having a keywords that are high volume search, but low competition. And so as we're thinking mm -hmm. about that, it's coming to mind is what you're saying, like LinkedIn, it seems like the, the perfect keyword of a platform, though, high volume search, it, cl exactly. it clearly has plenty of users, but the competition hasn't fully established in a way where you would be drowned out immediately by just people who have been doing it so much longer than you that you feel like, you know, a fly on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think that this podcast has been, this episode is really, really uh, unique and really helpful Yeah. Uh, for anyone who has not really understood LinkedIn um, and the potential that's there, because most people that are going to be listening to our podcast probably will be thinking of Instagram and YouTube and Facebook mm -hmm. and 
TikTok and all those other social media platforms. But I'm excited to provide value in a way that people wouldn't normally expect when talking yeah. about this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I already think of, I want to reach out to some people after this and think, you know, say to them, like, listen, you should probably be investing a little bit more in LinkedIn because that could actually be where you see the growth that you've been trying to pour into Instagram for a year, but you haven't seen much traction. Mm -hmm. And that's very cool to know, um, to, to learn this. Um, if we were to, you know, bring it all to a close, I'm, I'm curious if you had maybe three bullet point things that you would tell somebody who wants to get started on LinkedIn and, and just, you know, to encourage them and, and teach them some of your wisdom from doing it for, I know you've only been doing it for a year and a half, but you've clearly proven that you have some success on that. So if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah, for sure. I would say the first thing is to just sit down and, and come up with, you know, just come up with 10 posts and, and let's, let's set the benchmark there. And when you're coming up with those posts, go through the feed every day and look for look for posts that you know catch your eye and then also posts that are that are doing well you know they've, they've got a lot of reactions they got a lot of comments and then ask yourself those questions you know why did this post catch my eye why does this post have so many you know likes and views what do i like about this post what do i not like about this post and then distill it down into your own if you want you know instead of you can go out and come up with your own ideas but maybe if you read through a post that, that seems interesting to you and you have your own take, try to take that person's format and formula and use it to add your own spin. You know, this isn't just ripping off their post, but this is, you know, hey, Austin posted about building relationships this morning and he recommended having a Google sheet where, you know, you follow up every cup every so many days. Well, I think that's really interesting. And I did this, you know, a slightly different way, or I know of somebody who's done it a slightly different way. Let me, let me talk about that. And so it's inspired by my post, maybe it's not ripping off my post, um, but now you have a little bit of a framework to work off of. And that's a lot easier than starting from, you know, scratch from, from absolutely nothing. So try to come up with those 10 posts. That's your first thing. And then just make a commitment to post for, you know, whatever timeline works for you. It could be 10 days. It could be 30 days. I wouldn't go past 30 days to start. But make, make that commitment and then try to hold your, yourself accountable. I think the hardest part is that we make the commitment and it's easy to do the first couple of days. It's easy to do the first week, but then it falls off. Um, something that my buddy and I did many years ago when we were both starting businesses is we would set a goal and then we would, we use this platform called Stick. It's S-T-I-C-K-K.com. And essentially you put money in escrow. And so you say, you know, hey, I'm going to post uh, five LinkedIn posts, five days in a row this week. And I'm going to, I'm going to put 50 bucks down that I'll do it. And so you, the 50 bucks comes out of your bank account and it sits in escrow. And then every day that person has to kind of come and check in or whatever checkpoints you have, that person comes in and says, yep, awesome post today. Yep. Awesome posted today. And if we miss one, the other person gets the 50 bucks <laughs> or it, it gets donated to charity or whatever it is. Um, but you lose that, that money. And so a lot of people, you know, are willing, they get excited, um, you know, they, they follow through for the first couple of days, but it's not easy to stick with it for the, the longer term, you know, once you get out of that honeymoon phase. And so if you can find some way to hold yourself accountable um, beyond what you think you can do, that's really where, where the growth starts to happen. Because, you know, to your point, some of those posts may get two likes, they may get no likes, they may, you know, you may not see the amazing traction that you feel like you'll, you'll you get off this episode and you're excited and you're like, man, I'm going to get hundreds of likes now. Uh, probably not. You know, the first couple of posts are going to be probably, you know, pretty low engagement. So you have to stick through it um, through that rough period. Holding yourself accountable is the best way to do it. So I'd find an accountability buddy. I mean, you guys have each other, which is awesome. 
Um, but for anybody else listening out there, go find that person who you can say, all right, I'm going to check in every week. We're going to set a goal. And if you both can have a goal, that works even better as well. So basically come up with those 10 posts, make a commitment, um, and then just start getting out there. You know, for every post that you make, go, go comment on 10 people's posts as well. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you're going to start to see some growth. It's, it's pretty much inevitable with the way the platform is set up. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate your, um, advice and, and expertise and, and sharing some of, yeah. Um, so as we close out this episode, is there any good way if somebody, if somebody is like, they're looking for a job, they need, uh, they're like, man, after hearing this, I need to, to talk to Austin. Um, what would be the best way for them to, where, where should they go to find you, to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, so LinkedIn is a great place. Um, so you, you can, uh, you know, find my profile if you, uh, you know, you can hit follow or you can send me a connection request. I just ask that people send a personalized note with the request so I can kind of pick it out of the, the sea of people. Um, or the site, cultivatedculture.com, just right on the homepage there, we have a list of all of our free tools and all, all the resources and stuff. Um, so it's all super easy to find. But um, yeah, those two places would be the the best spots. And you know, if, if people send that personalized message, you know, mention the podcast, and I'll be sure to pick you out of the crowd, and we can uh, you know answer any questions you have or, or get you the advice you need. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Austin. It's been a pleasure hearing what you have to say. Um, it's definitely sparked an interest in my mind about LinkedIn and what's going on there. So I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was our pleasure, and. To our listeners, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. We have more interviews just like this one coming up. New episodes every Thursday morning.